Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Zachary Gio. This is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas and somewhere in South Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, poke it if you've got it. (laughs) drinking from a straw not smoking i'm not a heathen i'm just kidding (laughs) how's it going bud it's been a it's been a while since we got together and chatted about some video games i'm looking forward to the conversation today dude hell yeah i'm super looking forward to this well yeah it's been a while since we've had a regular episode i mean the last like numbered episode we actually did was last of us part two and then we had our you yep. know anniversary special and then our holiday special, but now we're back in. It's a new year, um, and this is what was technically what was supposed to be our first official episode of the new year if we weren't so late on the holiday special. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I I think everybody's going to give us the benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt, since I can't <laughs> speak English apparently. But you know, with the craziness that was 2020, and now the craziness oh, that's 2021. Because we thought we were going to get away from it, but no, America's still uh, fine dining and breathing, but that's all they know. So <laughs> nothing's really getting better right now. Um, but, you know, it is it is what it is, and we're going to make the best of it. We're going to talk about video games. We're going to play video games. We're going to have a good time. Yeah, exactly. You know what? 2020 was actually a great year for gaming, at least. I mean, we had a lot of great games that came out last year. Yes. Uh, this game that we're going to talk about, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, Assassin's Creed, we had uh, Age of Calamity came out. We had Last of Us Part Two. We had uh, Mario 3D All Stars. Mario 3D All Stars. Yeah, I mean, it, for, for Cyberpunk 2077, for for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. Uh, <laughs> not Call of Duty. It's so bad, dude. Ah, oh, I mean, it'll be better on February fourth when they finally drop ranked play. I mean, I guess that's good yeah. to talk about a little bit because they're finally putting competitive in a game after not having competitive in the game for almost two years. I'm not about to go off on a tangent. I'm just not having fun with that game right now, and you guys know how much I love Call of Duty. So it hurts my heart to literally cringe every time I see the multiplayer menu. A- Apex, Apex went uh, cross-platform last year. That was a big deal. So that's pretty cool. It's it's not fun getting destroyed by PC players, but uh, eventually <laughs> I will become a PC player, so I can't talk too much shit. Yeah, and, and now you can destroy the mobile players, so there you go. 
Wait, is there Apex <laughs> Mobile? Is there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking that up right now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, I, I guess I just assumed there was because, you know, there's a Fortnite Mobile. <laughs> I just... it. it Neither one of those sounds like a good game to play on mobile. I mean, I guess it's cool to have it. Like, if you're just ooting a boot and, you know, you, you really, really want to play. But I just I just can't see that being any good. <laughs> no, the only, the only thing they have is Apex Helper, which is basically like a strategy guide. It allows you to check your stats for both your characters and your weapons. But Apex is a lot of fun. I'm sure we can dive into that at some point. We were supposed to, like we said a couple, I think a couple episodes ago, we said we were supposed to talk about it with another group, but we ended up just shooting the shit for three hours. And that was a fun time. But um, no, Apex is a lot of fun. It's really hard. And it's definitely not your typical Battle Royale, even though it kind of is. But if if you've played it, then you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Hold on. Dab, bless you, my friend. It's allergy season. Um, Duck season. Oh, man. And see if I'm smart, I'm going to edit out the the sneeze. So you're going to say, bless you, and they're going to be like, what the hell? Where did that come from? I'm bringing Jesus into it. For for those of you listening, I just sneezed. That That's what happened. I just I edited it out so you didn't have to listen to it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're here to talk about uh, the new year. I actually kind of have a positive take on this year. I think, yes, some shit happened, but I think some shit happened that ultimately needed to happen (laughs) i'll put it that way just to kind of solidify things that are going on it just uh, there were a lot of skeptical people and after what happened happened not so much anymore yeah there's a lot more conclusive evidence that kind of gives us the proof that we need the proof is now in the pudding exactly (laughs) i mean i've been saying this for the last four years and and i think some people are finally starting to you know eyes open like okay yeah no that's um, yeah. Anyway, we're not going to get political. We're not going to get into it. Yeah, we're not going to give details, but we're definitely talking about Metroid Prime 4 and how it needs to come out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we, we're definitely going to talk about some game politics. Yes. Or, or economics, I should say, because, I mean, this has been a trending thing. We got to talk about it, right? So GameStop, right? And, and for those of you who are not aware, I'll try to explain the situation as as easily as I can because I... And this was explained to me this way. So, you know, by all means, if I get anything wrong, you economists listening can correct me. But from what I understand is we had some people that had uh, were, were predicting that the GameStop stock would go down. Some some Wall Street guys, some Wall Street bros, <laughs> um, some hedge fund managers, right, were predicting that the GameStop stock was going to go down. And they were kind of bragging about it. They're like, yeah, this is going to go down and we're going to short it. Um, And essentially what that means to short sell is to borrow a stock from someone else or borrow a share, but to borrow a share from someone with the intent of selling it at its current market value and then buying it back once the value goes down. And then you can return back what you borrowed. And essentially you made a profit because you sold it for higher than what you bought it back for. And as far as the other person is concerned, they have their share back. Well, what some Redditors did, what some gamers did, and never underestimate gamers. I mean, we've known for years that GameStop does not buy back games at at a reasonable value. So we understood already. <laughs> That, <laughs> but um, you know, GameStop always had our backs, and, and we had GameStop's back in the end. But what they decided to do was buy a bunch of GameStop shares, 
uh, and doing so, raising the value of GameStop up to essentially, uh, it went up. It went up four hundred and eighty percent. Four hundred and eighty percent. Yeah. So they fucked those billionaires. They fucked those hedge fund managers because these guys, they still owe those shares that they borrowed. So they're obligated to buy back those shares at multiples of the cost. Oh yeah, there was Ash, there was one dude that invested like $55,000 into the GameStop stocks after all the information was leaked and then once the once it went up in price, he he <laughs> he profited with like 11 million dollars, dude. It was <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy and it's it was a meme. Memes have so much power. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, speaking of memes, I I am in love with the Bernie meme, and I've been sharing any and every Bernie meme that has to do with video games. And I've actually seen some mods that people have done yep. with the Bernie, you know, mittens meme. <laughs> there was there was one that I saw where when Link walks into I, I love Breath of the Wild, so I'll mention it in every episode, no matter what we talk about. But there was one where. A modder put Bernie sitting in a chair in the middle of the sanctum at the top of Hyrule Castle. Like Link walks into the sanctum and Bernie's just sitting <laughs> in the chair in the middle of the floor. I lost my shit, dude. That was great. So I saw some horror games like uh, uh, Resident Evil 7 and shit. <laughs> it's just brilliant. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. Um, I'm definitely a Bernie bro. So that, that, uh, it was really nice to see. He's just such, a, you know, whether you agree with his politics or not, he's such a wholesome and genuine person. You I mean you can't help but love him. He really is. He's everybody's grandfather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, I mean, what, what, what do you what do you have to add to collateral gaming news well, this episode? Since we're diving into the world of potential things and new things, and I mean, this isn't. I, I will go ahead and preface this by saying that this is not confirmed at all. Nintendo has not shared anything. IGL Numa has not confirmed this, but there have been whispers and rumors of a possible remake of Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo Switch, and I'm not talking about another port. Or a 3D remake like they did with the 3DS where they just kind of enhanced the graphics again. I'm talking a full-fledged remastering of the game. Oh, shit. And, I, I like, imagine... Okay, so everybody has seen the Unreal Engine make of Ocarina of Time. Yep. Imagine that, but, like, times two or three. Yeah, like, what if they, like, literally took the entire game and just rebuilt it from the ground up? Like, Ocarina of Time 3D was... They retextured a lot of it, and some of the models, I think, like Link's model, they actually redid. Mm -hmm. But most of the assets were still intact. You know, um, they just made it look a lot prettier. But imagine if you took it and you just rebuilt every model from the ground up again. That would be brilliant. Oh yeah, dude. And like, there's some samples of music, dude. Yeah. Like the Castle Town theme, fully orchestrated. It's beautiful, and that's. That's what we need. We need it, yeah. Look what they did with like Final Fantasy VII remake or the re uh, recent Resident Evil Three remake. Yep. You know? Oh yeah. Full on actual remakes. That would be badass. I am down for that. I mean, and Ocarina of Time is definitely the Zelda game that deserves it the most. One hundred percent. It's literally the game that set the foundation for adventure games today. Introducing Z targeting, introducing like semi open world adventures, scaling with side quests, and just so much to do. And all from a simple little third-person perspective, and it's, it's spectacular what they've done with it, honestly. And it's come so far in just 
23 years. It's ridiculous. And now we're getting hints about Breath of the Wild 2. We've got a we've got a trailer telling us that it's in development. It looks spectacular. You, you could, in fact, say that it is fantastic. You're fired. <laughs> Please pack up your things and leave them <laughs> on my office, which I don't have an office, but we'll figure something out. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got. Like, if they remastered, I'm currently working on Ocarina of Time 3D for the 3DS. Um, I managed to get my hands on both Majora's Mask 3D and Ocarina of Time 3D for like 20 bucks, and that's a that was a steal. So uh, I'm I'm having a really good time. Um, I'm on a Zelda high right now. I've been playing Age of Calamity, Link's Awakening for the Switch, uh, Breath of the Wild, always, I'll never stop. Um, and I actually started playing the Oracle games again. <laughs> Just strike something. That face you made was beautiful. <laughs> I just I just swigged straight vodka. <laughs> Dude, now that I think about it, I went over to a friend's house last night to watch that new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet. Highly recommend. Uh Collateral Cinema. Oh, is it good? Dude, it's spectacular. You talk about a mind fuck. It's crazy. I need to watch that. It's so good. But I love me some Nolan. Oh yeah, dude. Interstellar is one of the best movies of all time. But um, Interstellar, Inception, and lest we forget the the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Why so serious? Oh man. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we have a lot to talk about in this upcoming conversation with one of the most beautiful and one of the coolest games that came out last year. Um, so let's dive in. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about the player's choice for Game of the Year, which was Ghost of Tsushima. And I honestly thought this was the game that was going to win. By no means do I think that Last of Us Part Two didn't deserve it, because I think these both those games both deserved it. Yes, sir. But I, I, I want to honestly say I think this was this was my favorite game of 2020, just overall. Because I mean, this is is just it is just amazing, and it's amazing in different ways from Last of Us, because Last of Us is a you know a linear story, and it is a fantastic story ghost of tsushima is i think in my opinion like the pinnacle of you know narrative driven open world gaming um and and it's just a just an awesome way to end the ps4 era um which of course sucker punch productions originally kicked off with infamous second son which is a game that we talked about earlier in the collateral gaming careers the second episode we ever did our quote-unquote inaugural episode or episode one not including you know episode zero which was our pilot on fable three so if you wanted to hear our thoughts about that dakota and i talked about infamous second son that's again it's episode one uh, of of and it's the second episode we produced. Well, no, the second one we ever did was the Banner Snatch episode, but you know it doesn't really count. Anyway, <laughs> um, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, we were still kind of fresh in the game, so we hadn't really found our our footing in the podcast world. So try to judge with a lighter standard. But we had a we had a blast with it. It's one of those games that Dakota and I had both played before. And we're really, really impressed with. I mean, do you have any any uh, history with the Infamous series? Actually, no. I never played them. Um, I didn't get a PS4 until 2017. So um, I actually got a PS4 shortly after I got Breath of the Wild for the Switch. Um, I managed to cop my PS4 in like June 2017. And the first game that I bought for it was Overwatch. <laughs> so uh, yeah that's a whole other conversation but no i i never played the infamous games in infamous one and infamous two i had never really played i started playing some of infamous one actually uh 
in preparation for this episode to kind of get a feel for Sucker Punch's style. But it was one of their more um one 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 of their more recent entries that was definitely more grounded than their previous works. Of course, Sucker Punch Productions is also well known for the Sly Cooper series. Uh, which is a series I also got to uh, get a little bit of uh, insight with as I, I played the very first game, Sly Cooper and the Thievus Raccoonus, recently. Again, in preparation for this episode, I I wanted something to talk about. And I could definitely see the elements that made it into Ghost of Tsushima in both of these franchises. But they're also very different. And Sucker Punch has shown that they can have several different styles. But what they're mostly known for are character action games and sly cooper is a series of games that uh focused a lot on stealth and platforming and is one of the, the very you know first games that really emphasized stealth in that uh, most enemies could kill you in one hit so you had to find ways of sneaking around enemies and and, and killing them before they killed you mm -hmm. so that uh but a very very different style this was a very cartoony anthropomorphic animals think like star fox but not in space, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just just thieves and and stealth and you know you've kind of you kind of got Sly Cooper, but also no no spaceships. I mean it's just it's just platforming, but in regards to the anthropomorphic animal character world, right? Yeah. So and I had a lot of fun with it. The characters were endearing. Um, the gameplay was fun, and I'd like to play some more. But Infamous is a series that. I mostly have experience with Second Son, which was the entry for the PS4. And Second Son was a game where they took, um, you know, some of the elements of the first two games, which featured Cole, whose superpower was electricity, but you had Delson, who was now uh, an empath who could who could have multiple powers. And so it was just a really robust system. And I remember enjoying the the visuals in that game. I mean, the colors were spectacular. Uh, the movement was fluid, and then that's something that's very common, I think, that I've seen in all three games is just this kind of fluid action system where the character's movement and the way that they jump and interact with the world is very seamless, and and it works. And, and I don't know how else to describe it other than the way that you play, but when you control characters like Sly or Cole or Delson or Gene Sakai, you, you do get this feeling where we get a lot of the parkour action that you see in the infamous series and you see in Ghost of Tsushima found its roots in the platforming systems in Sly Cooper. Yeah, 100%. Um, the main thing to go about with these types of games, and this is something I've been thinking about um, ever since I started playing games as a kid, there is just something about certain video games that allows for complete and total player immersion. And when you're playing a game, if what you're doing as your character flows with the NPCs, the world, the missions, the stories, the side quests, whatever you're doing, if there's a connectivity between the two that flows, then that makes for almost a perfect game. Take Red Dead Redemption 2, for, for example. This wasn't made by Puck, Sucker, Pucker Sunch, Sucker Punch Productions. It was made by... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, me laughing. I already forgot. Rockstar. Rockstar Games Rockstar. made this game. And literally everything you do is connected. You can choose whether or not you want to be an outlaw. You can choose whether or not you want to be a good guy. That's not the point here. What I'm saying is whatever you're doing, it feels like it's actually happening. It feels like you're creating a narrative throughout your actions in the game. And honestly, Ghost of Tsushima does that 
beautifully because the NPCs don't feel like NPCs. They feel like actual characters within the game. When you're facing enemies, whether you're doing a face-off or you're trying to be completely stealthy and take them out, it feels as though you are taking part in an actual siege on Tsushima. You are you are yes. the sole savior of this island that is being overrun by Mongols, and it is it's intense. And when I first started this game, Ash, I, I played it on uh, almost the realistic difficulty, but I would be taken out in like two two sword strikes, basically. And it was really hard. Yeah. Like, I had to tone the difficulty down. And I love that because there's a lot of video games that are that have come out in the past and that still come out today that kind of baby the player, you know, kind of sugarcoat things for them. And allow you, and there's always there's a way in Ghost of Tsushima you can play on the easiest difficulty just to enjoy the story, but when you play on a more difficult, uh, when you play on a higher difficulty, that's what I'm getting at. You feel more connected, and you feel more immersed into what you're doing. And honestly, it makes the sixty dollars that you spent on the game feel worth it because you are literally plunging yourself into an adventure. You're literally giving yourself a chance to break from reality, and that's why connectivity between um, the main character to everything else that's going on in the game is so important. It's so important. And Ash yes. and I are huge fans of the Zelda series. But one thing that a lot of the Zelda games lack is connectivity. While you can feel immersed, you hit a certain point in the game and Link is just OP. You literally destroy everything in your wake. And a <laughs> lot of the Zelda games, once you get to a certain point, it stops being a challenge. And throughout Ghost of Tsushima, I just started Act 3. Ash and I were talking about this prior to the start of this episode. It is hard no matter what you do, no matter how many skills you unlock, no matter how how much of the side content you've done, it is still difficult. You can still die in, in, a, in a, a hit or two, yeah. Yes, that doesn't change. It doesn't change. While you can upgrade your armor, you can upgrade your sword, your bow, whatever, whatever it is you're doing, you can help increase your skills and stealth and you can add more moves in combat, but that still doesn't take away from the fact that if you get hit twice, you're done. Yeah, but that's on a higher difficulty. So I'm going to stop ranting. I'm going to let you go back to it. But when, when it comes to Ghost of Tsushima, the reason why I feel like it was a contender for Game of the Year, and it should have been because it was the player's choice, honestly. And I love Last of Us 2. It was amazing. But I wouldn't have been upset if Ghost of Tsushima had taken it because there's not really many games as immersive and as connected as this one. Yeah. And that's why it's so beautiful. The setting, the world is absolutely gorgeous. And that... I haven't played the infamous games, but I have watched video game. I have watched gameplay. I've watched gameplay of the Sly Cooper games, and you said it. You hit the nail on the head. They go after colors. They go after gameplay. They go after flow, and that's one thing that Sucker Punch does very well: is making it feel like this big, vast, beautiful world. And when you take an element of realism, which they did with Tsushima, and make it look like this big, open island that you can explore, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful, and it's not something you take for granted, and that's why $60 at the end of the day doesn't seem like too much to spend on the game. Oh, God, no, this game is gorgeous, and we're going to talk about the graphics because, man, this game is just is just so immersive. I love the world, but uh, I like what you said about comparing it with Red Dead Redemption, and that's a game that this gets compared to a lot because whereas Red Dead Redemption was like the definitive Western game, you know, it was the cowboy game, and it is the grounded experience of a cowboy, and you really feel like a cowboy. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is now being seen as that grounded samurai game, you know, the feudal Japan game of today. And 
you know, obviously there's other games that we can we can talk about and compare and contrast with like Sekiro or Neo, but when it comes down to it, I, what I like about Tsushima is just how well it fits into the historical context. I mean, the amount of of love and, and attention to detail that was put into this game by Western developers. And let me just go out by saying, we're going to kind of jump forward here. This is more of a reception point, but this game was well-received by a Japanese audience, by Famitsu, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay? This game won, uh, uh, what is it? A, d- d- I can look it up really quick. Did they give it a perfect score? Uh, which there were there was there was something that they did. It was Famitsu. Famitsu and uh, Ghost it, of Tsushima. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, a perfect yep. score, and it is only the third time a Western game has gotten a perfect score. Yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. So is, that's saying Ghost something. Ghost of Tsushima is first ever American winner of Famitsu Game of the Year award. First ever. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and that's saying something because this is a game that really could have been criticized. It could have gone wrong if the Japanese audience had said, no, this is nothing like Japan. But this American studio managed to develop a game that very much feels like Japan, and all the weeaboos are going are gonna <laughs> to catch on to that. And all the fans of old Kurosawa mm-hmm. films, which this, this game definitely takes inspiration mm-hmm. from, are going to recognize that. And I also like... You know, uh, and you had mentioned, of course, the difficulty setting is there is a, a setting in this mode that was, uh, or a difficulty setting that was released, um, and this was actually a patch later on whenever New Game Plus was introduced. But, and I believe close to when Legends ended up being re- introduced, which we'll we'll talk about that as well. But uh, the lethal mode makes it to where any single sword strike can kill you, but also any single sword strike from you can kill enemies. Like actual swordplay. So it's actually making an entirely new way of playing the game that completely transforms. And I'm excited about starting my new game plus playthrough in in lethal mode, which I am almost 100% complete through the story. I've done everything through the story. I'm just at this point, I'm just doing collectibles. But once I finish that, I would love to start New Game Plus, and I'm going to turn on the lethal setting and and really just immerse myself. But, um, you know, going back to, I guess, the development history here is I remember a while back, and we talked about this in our infamous Second Sun review, uh, Sucker Punch was talking about how the where they could go in the future with this, with the series with the infamous series at least is that it's a series that where they could take conduits who are the super powered characters in that franchise in any historical period. And for some reason, feudal Japan just came to my mind. Right. And we've talked about this before in other episodes. I know how ghost of Tsushima is the Assassin's Creed game in feudal Japan that everyone wanted. And it really is. It really does feel like that in a lot of ways. When you look at the, the combat, when you look at the, the stealth gameplay, it very much feels like what that feudal Japan Assassin's Creed was supposed to feel like just without the Assassin's Creed eccentricities, like the modern world storyline and whatnot. But, um, but I'm going off on, on my own tangents here. Dude, dude, do it. Go off on like as many sine, cosines, and tangents as you want. 
Well, that's what Ghost of Tsushima is like. When you get in the game and there's just so many different things to do in the world. And it's easy to get sidetracked and just fall into these other activities and then just go right back to where you were at. And and we'll, we'll talk about the gameplay in particular in a second. But what I wanted to address was that after developing Infamous First Light, which was the standalone DLC for Infamous Second Son, go, uh, Sucker Punch wanted to produce a game where... Let me look at my notes here. This is uh, <laughs> they wanted to, to develop an open world project where players' choices impacted gameplay. And as far as choices impacting gameplay here, I'm not sure. Most of the story is is kind of rigged, but I definitely see what they mean and and where they were going with this because you can take a, a situation and, and you can play at it any way that you want. You can come at it through the honorable samurai way, or you can embrace the role of the ghost and take down enemies by stealth. And and a good player should probably do yes. a little bit of both. But for me, I've always been kind of a stealth guy. But I also did enjoy the standoffs and the you know come sh- uh, come send your finest warrior and you know hitting them down come in one slash. Me. Just that classic samurai <laughs> style. And you can do that. This game really feels you know that 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 old trope where the samurai like takes the sword out, kills the enemy in one swipe, and puts it back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, dude, they, they hit the nail on the head with that. It's beautiful. You can't make every combat situation like that, obviously. The game would be too easy, but they managed to take that feeling and put it into the combat. You can upgrade it to where you can chain them, though. Up to three times, isn't it? Where you can kill up to... Yeah, the sta- uh, the standoffs, you can go up to five. Because <laughs> oh. with the Sakai clan armor, you can get up, you can get up to two extra... Um, by upgrading it all the way, you can get up to two extra standoff chains. And then there's also two skills that you can unlock that give you two standoff chains. So you can you can kill up to five enemies, um, which is almost enough to fill up your ghost dance meter. <laughs> that and it's almost enough to kill some camps, entire camps with just a face-off. Oh, yeah. You can, you can kill out, you know those wandering groups of Mongols that you come across in the oh, open yeah. world sometimes? A single standoff plus ghost combo, or in, or just a single standoff combo. If you've got if you've got the Sakai clan or Sakai clan armor on, can can finish those off. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you what. The first time I got into a face off, um, it's it's that first cutscene where you're crossing the bridge for the first time, trying to access Castle Shimura. I think that's the name of it. Um, and or is it when you're trying to go in? Castle Kaneda is the first one. Castle Canada, that's right, when you're trying to break out your uncle the yeah. first time. And this is at the very beginning of the game. And that first face-off on the bridge happens. I was like, oh, dude, shit's about to go down. This is insane. Oh, it, oh my gosh. Of course, <laughs> it, the effect of it kind of wears off the further into the game you get. But that first standoff is just glorious. <laughs> and when you time it perfectly, yes. you kind of hold your hand through it a little bit Some with the first one. But that first, when you, when you, draw your blade and just oh slice through oh it's so satisfying bro oh my gosh uh, you know we want to talk about satisfying slaughtering mongol leaders end of act or, or i think maybe midway through act two you uh, unlock the ghost dance which you can do by either killing enough enemies in a row without taking damage or by slaughtering mongol leaders 
So you can assassinate most enemies in this game, obviously. That's one of the core concepts, and you can even unlock chain assassinations, but Mongol leaders are different. Um, they're kind of like those difficult enemies in the action RPG-style Assassin's Creed games that you can't go down in one hit. Until, of course, you unlock the slaughter, and he comes up straight up behind them, and he cuts off their head, and it terrifies the other enemies around them. They're straight up freaked out. Oh, yeah. face our enemy head on. And when we take their life, we look them in the eye with courage and respect. This is what makes us samurai. be thousands of them. We will face death and defend our home. Survivors. I am Samurai. No, you are more than that. You are the ghost. Convince your people to join me, and I will give them peace. We will never serve you. I've never seen a Samurai fight like that. It was nothing. Oh, oh, you are more than a Samurai. He is a vengeful spirit, back from the grave to slaughter the Mongols. If you continue down this path, you will be no better than the Mongols. I trained you to fight with honor. Honor died on the beach. The Khan deserves to suffer. Everything for my home. Going back to assassinations for a second, can we talk about Jin's character development in this game? Yes! And just how he goes from being this traditional blood-by-blood blood samurai to bending the rules a little bit to get what needs to be done done. Because at the very beginning of the game, he does not want to assassinate. Right. He wants to face his enemies head-on and take their lives while they're looking at him. He has to kind of he has to kind of break his own honor a little bit to kind of become a better warrior. And it, it kind of... 
encompasses the whole theme of the game of how Jin has to make sacrifices, not just for himself, but for those around him in order to save Tsushima. And I love that. Like, the, characters grow in games, but they hardly ever, you know, have personal sacrifices. And that's one thing I like about this, because you can imagine, I mean, you can't really feel what Jin's feeling, but if Jin was a real person, you could imagine the anguish and yeah. sadness that he felt by just taking a man's life without him even knowing he was there in the first place. Yeah. No, definitely. And and it's interesting. That is an you know, that's really what's core to this story here is Jin's uh, inner conflict. So Jin Sakai is a traditional samurai. He was raised by Lord Shimura, who is the Jito, um, basically kind of a local leader underneath the shogun. If you know anything about the hierarchical structure of feudal Japan, which I know very little of, even as a, a huge like weeb, um, you know a lot of this historical stuff is is kind of lost on me. But I, I understand the basics, right? And so you've got the Shogun, and then underneath you've got the Jito, and he's basically the leader of Tsushima Island. Uh, Jin is his nephew, and also the boy that he basically raised as his own son. Um, and, and, and that comes throughout the game, is in fact he plans to formally adopt him at one point. But yep. um, what Jin learns is that his code of honor that the samurai had to follow is going to get them killed. The Mongols are exploiting the samurai's honor. They've studied them. And, and this is based on an actual real historical context, by the way. This is based on the real first Mongol invasion of Japan, which started on Tsushima Island. Um, the character of Khan is actually fictional, uh, he, uh, being the, the, the cousin of, of Kublai, but grandson of, of, of Genghis. But... Uh, the, the the invasion itself is not just some of the characters. I think probably their names are changed or um, their roles. But anyway, so Gene basically realizes, like you said, that he has to bend the rules a little bit just for this Mongol invasion. You know, and over time he becomes known as the Ghost of Tsushima. People see the way he fights and. They're afraid of him, but they also see him as the protector of the island. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the game, he begins to slowly embrace that role where, you know, for at first he's like, okay, I can bend the rules a little bit too. Okay, I'm just going to be acting this way until the invasion. But by the end of the game, you know, you're, you're reaching a point where Jean may be past the point of return because he sees the folly of the samurai. He sees their weaknesses and how they're slaves to their own honor. And... Mm -hmm. That's what got them killed in the first place, and that's the conflict he has with his uncle, Lord Shimura, who during the first act of the game is is kidnapped, and Jean saves him. But you know, throughout the second act of the game, they're starting to come to odds and have differences in the way that they are wanting to tackle the Mongol invasion. And so it's just this awesome internal struggle that you go through, <laughs> you know, for Jean <laughs> awesome. as a character. <laughs> yeah, no, they... <laughs> This the character development in this game for Gene Sakai is stellar, and it's kind of heartbreaking, honestly, watching him be at odds with his uncle because you see uh, Lord Shimura as just this, like you said, a father figure, and yeah, it's it's really difficult to watch them go through that because when you're playing through it the first time, you're like, well, how are we going to settle this? How are how are we supposed to figure this out? Yeah, so. But Shimura is is an unmovable stone, and Jean is the river. 
you know, and, and, and Gene realizes that, or or maybe he's the stick in the river that needs to go with the flow, you know, he does his main thing, and, and I think this is foreshadowed very early on in the game, where Shimura asks him, you know, what does honor mean to you, and Gene says, protecting people who can't protect themselves, you know, and then Shimura kind of says, yes, that's true, but also, you know, it's this, but What's interesting is that's what Gene took away from it. So what honor means to him is protecting the people of Tsushima at any cost. He's willing to sacrifice himself and his own code of honor and his own reputation in the way so that he can do what needs to be done. And and there's kind of a there, there's definitely a question of, of of or what how much of what Gene is doing is right. But ultimately, I you know I kind of side with him. You know the. The samurai were definitely, you know, an ideal, but that's what they are. They're an it's an idealized thing, um, and that's why samurai didn't last. You know, Gene realized that he had to use what tactics he needed to survive to to get past the Mongols, and and that's just such an awesome struggle that you see him go through. And Gene, as a character, can embrace either style of gameplay. Like we said before, that's you know, again, where we're saying how. Uh, player choices impact gameplay. Gene goes along the same course of the story, but I can see where that idea took root. And so Gene ultimately kind of embraces, you know, in both ways. And he can he can do a standoff, which is fun, and you can chain together, you know, up to five different combos of slashing enemies through. Or you can you can cut enemies' throats in the back and, and slaughter Mongol leaders and scare the living bejesus out of them and activate the ghost dance and they all start running away like like fucking bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and you can really like, you remember like in the Arkham games where the enemies start to get more scared, you know, the more that you prey on them? You know, you almost get kind of a similar feel here and, and Jin can oh, start... Yeah. Gene starts unlocking more of the ghost weapons like smoke bombs and kunai and basically becomes a ninja. I mean, he's, he's the typical samurai ninja samurai by day ninja by night sort of vibe going on here <laughs> yeah and that's that's that excuse me oh uh-huh. that's that connectivity i was talking about i love it when you're able to take out enemies and the rest of them start to realize what's going on yeah they're like oh shit we, we you're probably about to die and i love that because if they were just little npcs walking around like little coded soldiers not caring I love it when it was like, hey, we got a body over here. Like if, in the Arkham games, like you're talking about, hey, someone's down. Y'all get over here. That kind of stuff is really cool. And as games continue to come out, they're going to increase the smoothness of it. And I can't wait until it's like you're le- legitimately playing a movie. That would be awesome. Like This oh. game does feel like a movie. It has that Japanese cinema feel. Well, yeah, you can literally play with that. Uh, you can play with that. Uh, what is it? Render? Where it's There's the Kurosawa it, mode. Yeah. Where it literally feels like a Kurosawa film, like Seven Samurai. Have you ever seen that? Mm-mm, I have not. Okay, so you know that ancient trope of the the primitive village, that's the peaceful primitive village that doesn't know how to fight, and you've got the warrior who has to train them how to fight before some coming invasion? Yeah. That's You're Seven like the Samurai. <laughs> the Mandalorian. It's been in The Mandalorian. It's been in Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Uh, that comes from Seven Samurai. So and and as everyone knows, Star Wars is based on westerns, and westerns are based on Kurosawa samurai films. <laughs> um, it <laughs> all dates back. And can you see? Can you see the inspiration that this game takes? Yes, like one hundred percent. It's crazy. Did you have you played it at all in Kurosawa mode? Sorry for that clap right there. I was just getting kind of hype. 
just a little bit. I'd like to maybe try that at New Game Plus, like try playing most of the games. So what it is for anyone that's listening is it's it's this black and white filter that has kind of a grainy film texture to it that makes you feel like you're in a Kurosawa film. Beautiful. And, it's beautiful. And, and you could play this game in uh, in English, and the English dub is actually fantastic. I've listened to it. But as an anime fan, I actually played this game in the original Japanese with English subtitles. I, uh, okay, so here's here's my thing. Um, I'm the same way with anime. If I start playing a game or watching a show in one specific way, I can't change halfway through because with this game, let me just, okay, let me pull up my trusty notes here. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right, so forgive me, everybody, if I butcher these names, but the English voice actor for Jin Sakai is Dasuki Suji. Uh, Japanese voice actor is Kazuya Nakai and Junya Hirano for Young Jean. And they sound different. Like, the voices are different. And, of course, Young Jean's going to be different. But let's be honest here. It's really difficult to, for me personally, to start the game in English. And then I get curious about how the Japanese is. So I switch to Japanese. And every single voice actor is different. I don't like that. It Gene's voice is like... quite a bit different. His his yeah, Japanese is. voice actor or or seiyu, uh, Kazuya Nakai, is a much deeper voice than than Daisuke Tsuji. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that's kind of a common thing. Uh, a lot of there. I, oh gosh, I feel like I'm gonna. Uh, I feel like I'm venturing into controversial territory, and I by no means mean any offense by this. But I feel like in Japanese culture, there's just a sense of higher tones in the way that the language is spoken. I I've never really heard a person with a super deep voice speaking in Japanese. So I don't have that experience, but I've always felt like it's a lot more higher pitched. Like if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Z, Goku's English dub is very, very kind of manly, but his, and yes, I know that the Japanese voice actor is a woman, but it's a lot higher pitched. It's because they use the same actor, actress that did him as a child. I don't know why, they didn't bother changing the actor. I mean, he's a man. The English dub had to ha- have the sense to do that. And then, Honestly, the first. The no first disrespect time probably... to the actress. I mean, she does a phenomenal no, job. No. But she said if he sounds like a kid, and he's an adult. <laughs> but no, <laughs> that's one anime I can't watch in Japanese because Goku's voice is just obnoxious as an adult. It just doesn't fit, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm guessing that when Dragon Ball first started, there might have been a lack of funds, and once it got super popular, everybody started loving it. So why change something that's going very well? Yeah. So. But it kind of comes with the territory. Well, go look at, for instance, Naruto's voice actress, uh, uh, Junko Takeuchi. Don't she tell d- me what she, to do. She does, <laughs> she does a phenomenal <laughs> job of, and, and you can listen to Naruto's part one voice versus like his part two voice. And I can hear a 15 or 16-year-old versus a 12 or 13-year-old, or even when Naruto's an adult in the, the Boruto series, you know? So I, yeah. I just thought that that was interesting. But uh, Mel Flanagan in the American version kind of sounds alike the whole time. She she does not as good at deepening her voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I God, now that I'm thinking about Naruto, I'm getting kind of triggered <laughs> because I hate the ja- I hate the Japanese version of Naruto. Really? Like, yes, I can't stand. Like, believe it. I don't like it. You mean the English <laughs> version? No, the Japanese like not not the English dub. I don't like the sub version. You don't like the subbed version, but you just said no. believe it, which is the English dub catchphrase. 
I was making a pun, Ash. Come on. Oh, don't okay. Think <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Believe it was just so hard. It's it's a it, it's not even That's similar to that the bio, which is you know that the bio that the bio. Yeah. Oh gosh. But one. Uh, gosh, we're kind of off on a tangent here. But one, <laughs> One Punch Man. I can't watch it dubbed. I have to watch it subbed. I have to watch it in Japanese. Yeah, uh, Full Metal Alchemist is one of those series that I watch dubbed because I actually yep, prefer the dub. Naruto, I can I can watch it both ways because Naruto's just my favorite, and I can I I can honestly enjoy both versions. But I think the sub yep. is better. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this game I I had to watch in the original Japanese because I was like, hell yeah, there's a Japanese with English subtitles option. Okay, let me do it. But when I started another game, and I did, I started a new game. Not New Game Plus, but I started on a separate file, just a new game, because I heard that New Game Plus skips the beginning section. Yeah. So that's a nice way of wearing your glasses. <laughs> what, upside down? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of hurts my nose. I'm going to remove them right now. Decide, <laughs> my nose started hurting really bad. I love how we were talking about Ghost of Tsushima, and we just went on a whole anime tangent. <laughs> hey, this is, this is the episode laughing. to do it. Yes, it is, 100%. And because we, I mean... Let me gather my thoughts in English here because I, I can't. I can't do the subversion. No, I mean I don't. I can't play the game in Japanese because Jin Sekai's voice is just. To me, it's perfect in English. You know, I I started in English and I have to finish the game in English. And I'm on Act Three now, and I've been playing English the whole way. So it's damn good. I mean, the characters, the, the actors that they chose actually, uh, they either are actually you know Japanese. Uh, natives or they're very good at emulating the natural accent because yeah. they sound authentic. Um, they're just hearing it in English. So uh, you can honestly play the game both ways and get the same experience. But uh, honestly, obviously you're going to want to stick with one. I've played it both ways, and that's what, uh, that's what I was going to say is my new game. I wanted to try to experience it in English this time. So I experienced just that beginning Komoda Beach uh, storyline in English and and I'm impressed mm -hmm. with it. I and I've I've watched some playthroughs as well. So um, I I think the Japanese is still my preferred. But the mm -hmm. game I say English dub. It's not a dub because the game was originally recorded in English. Um, if anything, the Japanese version is the dub. But <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting is and I noticed this when I'm playing the Japanese game and I know a little bit of Japanese. I've been you know teaching myself over a few years. So they were. Todoeska. <laughs> you know what that means, right? Orewa is I. Um, what did you, else did you say? Todoeska. Todoeska? I have to go to the bathroom, I think. Oh, uh, toire. Uh, toire? Toire is toilet or bathroom. I'm trying to say have to go. Go is iku. Hmm. Hang on. Okay, now i got to look this up. Okay. <laughs> All right, we got to do it. 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 I'm learning a lot more recently, but I'm, I'm better with, like, the, the writing. Like, I know katakana and hiragana and some kanji better than I've learned how to speak. But, um... Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Doko is where? I was, I was very wrong. Okay. Wait, it's coming from the top speaker. Hang on. I'm well, going to play it one more time. Doko deska is where is. I can't speak Japanese. <laughs> so I, I, I really apologize if I'm hurting somebody's feelings right now. That's not my intention whatsoever. I'm a South Georgia boy. And I would say, Toire wa doko deska. Toire wa doko deska. I don't know. 
I, I might be butchering something there, but that that that's the way I would say it. Where is the bathroom? Anyway, um, <laughs> on to whatever the hell we were talking about. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, we were talking about how the game sounds. Oh, so I was saying some of the eccentricities of the Japanese language are actually used in the Japanese version, and I think that's interesting. So some of the way that the character's dialect was written was written with the eccentricities of the Japanese language in mind. Um, and, and I noticed that. And certain things would be actually translated differently in the subtitles than what I was hearing. Like a character would say uh, Lord Sakai, but the character would say in Japanese, Jean. Or the opposite. The subtitles would say Jean, but you would hear Sakai-sama. And so I was like, huh. So it, it's kind of weird. And, and there there's some weird things. Like you have Sensei Ishikawa, which in Japanese would be uh, Ishikawa Sensei. Uh, Masako-sama, uh, which would be Lady Masako. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was blocking a toxic person on Facebook. And we can keep this in because there was a horrible person that was very racist against me and my family. It was wonderful. Dude, hell yeah. Block racists. Fuck racists. Dude, yes. Dude, racism will not be tolerated. It is not okay? tolerated. Fascism is not tolerated on this podcast. Homophobia is not tolerated on this podcast. Transphobia is not tolerated on this podcast. General bigotry is not tolerated on this podcast. No sexism, misogyny, xenophobia. <laughs> Toleration is not tolerated on this podcast. It's not. It's not. I will say, I, I, I don't think we meet most politically correct standards. Um, we're, we're, we're not PC, but... But we 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 are gonna we, we are gonna put put an end to bigotry because that's no we're not PC we're console dude what are you talking about exactly we're console gamers. My cat just ran into the room and ran into the wall, looked at me and dipped. <laughs> I guess she's trying to get my attention. I don't know. Nekoga dokodeska. Ah yeah, she needs to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I was saying, where is the cat? But oh yeah, I don't I don't. Yeah, see, I I just went back to the bathroom because I don't... See, this is why we're not politically correct on this podcast. <laughs> <'cause> we... <laughs> oh, man, but it's it's fine, you know. Eventually, I, I actually really want to learn Japanese. And this game had a huge anime and this game and just the sheer beauty of the Japanese language. Just, I want to learn it. It's beautiful. Zaku-kun. Uh... Donde esta biblioteca? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Zachary. I want to ask you a serious question, okay? XM Satellite Radio? All right. What horse color and horse name did you pick, and why was it the black horse named Kage? <sighs> what? <laughs> You did this to me before we started recording, and I already <laughs> forgot about this. But it was the black horse named Kage because it was cool. It was my favorite one. <laughs> Who didn't name their their horse Kage and, and choose the black horse? I'm sorry. That is that is the natural choice. I honestly wish that they kind of put something in where you could name it yourself. Because I would have named it SpongeBob. Well, that's terrible. That's not historically accurate at all. Exactly. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's awesome. Either that or, you know. The, the the amount of work that Sucker Punch went into into making sure that even the kanji depicted was accurate to the timeline. And you're going to name your 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 horse SpongeBob. I, I'm ashamed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've always... No, I'm not going to say that I want to ride the sponge because that's kind of. There, there <laughs> are some Easter eggs, though. There is, in fact, a hidden trophy in the game. 
that actually has you dress up like Sly Cooper. There's a, a crooked comma headband that has Sly's cane, and and there's a and you actually have to put the right die and everything. And 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 that unlocks a trophy. And the best Easter egg that I found was a headband called Band of the Second Sun. And it's a red headband that looks like Delson's uh beanie from uh from Infamous Second Sun. And I even went into photo mode and zoomed in on uh, on the little label on it, and it does in fact say Shiatoru Ichi San Hachi. Uh, so it says Seattle 138, which is the same thing that, and I looked it up, that Delson's beanie put on. So um, I, I just wanted to share that real quick because that, that Easter egg made me go, what? That's so cool. Uh, and, I, and I thought it was cool. And I even made sure to check that it said the same thing, which it did. So technically, there's an anachronism for you. Um, the, the the katakana for, for Seattle is in the game and Seattle wouldn't have existed yet. So there you go. That is pretty cool. What if what if at some point during the game you could venture to Seattle? It doesn't exist. Just randomly. I know. <laughs> that's that's the point. That's, that's... <laughs> oh man, God. Oh, dude, is it bad that I like have to poop really bad? Oh, well, we're we're almost done here. No, 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 no. Like, there's no rush to finish. Like, I I just I, I can feel the tortoise. I'm turtling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so oh. when it comes to like gameplay Gross. style, how did you like to play this game? Okay, well, I am, as you and I have discussed in previous podcast episodes, I love, 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 love the Arkham series. And the best part of those games was taking out enemies without being detected whatsoever. Yeah. Same way with Spider-Man. Like, you can go balls to the wall, or you can just take them out one at a time. So, so you're like me. I yes, I love sneaking up behind enemies and assassinating them, but when you get spotted, I mean, if you're fighting in an area that has really tall grass, you can conceal yourself and go right back to it. There are some areas where it was easier to just stand off before they noticed you and yeah. Yeah, but all in all, I'm a very very huge proponent for stealth. I love taking enemies out cleanly and like quietly. Because it makes for easier progression. Now, don't get me wrong, I like a challenge. But the combat in this game, you have to spend a good amount of time before you get really good and really proficient with the combat. They did not make it easy, but they made it fluid. Yes. And that's what I really like. It's 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 not easy to block and parry shots. Like Especially when you're fighting somebody that has a spear, you have to wait for that red point to flash before you can dodge out of the way and counter with a strike. That's hard to do. Yeah. It's... it's it, it seems like such a simple action, but it's really hard just to dodge to the right or left and hit him with a strike. So for me, until I got really good at the uh, until I got really good at the combat, I was very, very much okay. Take him out one at a time. Do the best you can. Get some bow shots in there if you can. But it's really hard to keep track of arrows because you go through them pretty quickly. Yeah, you and can. they're hard to find. So well, at least until the later portion of the game. And then you get the blowpipe, which is also very Assassin's Creed-esque with the the hallucination darts and the poison darts. But I, 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 like you, I'm mainly a stealth guy. I would try to take out most camps through stealth if I could. But there was a time and a place for open combat as well, and the open combat was fun. I found myself really looking forward to to some of the combat in the game and also the the one-on-one samurai duels are just fucking cool. Um, Yeah. 
They're hard, but they're They're hard. You have to master the combat. And like you said, there's this block and parry system that you... It's not def, It's not unique. We've seen it before, but it's implemented just so just so flawlessly uh, in this game. So perfectly. I would, I would venture to disagree. Uh, just on the, off, on the fact that you said that it's really not unique... It is because in a the, lot the concept of games, isn't unique. Games, the premise isn't. It's executed okay. uniquely. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, because that the concept of blocking and parrying is not new, but the way you do it in this game is really difficult, and you, it takes a lot of time. Like you have to get good, like really good, especially if you're playing on a harder difficulty because enemies are more aggressive. They strike quicker, and they. They, they kill you in like one or two hits. Well, we can't say that enough. Even late in the game, like you said, you can fuck up. And if you're playing lethal mode, yeah, especially or harder difficulties. Um, and, and if you miss that parry, I mean, you're fucked. You can heal yourself, which is good. And, and you can even there's even an upgrade that you can use to heal yourself when you're down. Mm-hmm. He beats on his chest. What Ugh. was this? He he. he isn't oh. that what he does when you're trying to heal? He like beats his chest a little bit. Yeah, he does. That's him um, gaining his resolve to push through the pain. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. You have the resolve, yeah. you know, that, that slowly fills as you as you fight successfully. I also like how this game has four different stances that you unlock, you know, throughout the you know, at least the yep. first half of the game. And what, water stance is my favorite. Yeah, what's cool is that you've got, and then you can upgrade each of these and get more moves for each of these stances, and then you can upgrade your ghost weapons. And uh, I, I managed, mainly focused on you know like stealth first, and then stances and combat stuff. But when it comes to open combat, um, is you have to be good at crowd control and having to switch between the four different stances, which are strong against different types of characters, is, is kind of difficult to do in the heat of battle. But once you get into the flow of it, it's good. And so, you know, here I'm going to fight against this stance, which is good against sword enemies. I'm going to go with a stone stance, you know, and then I'm going to switch to water stance for these, for these uh, enemies carrying shields. I'm going to switch to the wind stance for the enemies carrying spears and the moon stance for the, the brutes. Yeah. Dude. Oh, moon stance is dope. I, I, okay. All of the stances are really fire, but I love the water stance. I love being able to just ruin someone in that has a shield. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Ah! Oh, you can ruin those one-on-one -on -one Mongol fights uh, that, that are, that are one-on-one -on -one duels. Just, just brutally murder them with that, with that water stance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. This game is really good at differing between the stances. Like, you have to... you Learning the combat is hard, but you have to learn the combat four times because it's different for every single stance. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's another thing that makes this game well worth 60 bucks because there's so much to learn, so much to see. And that adds to the replayability, you know? Because while it is sort of a linear story... You can go anywhere at any time. You and your horse can follow the wind and just go wherever you want to go. That's another really cool thing, following the wind in this game. Now, the other thing that was really cool about this game, of course, and what we talked about is, is just the full immersion into feudal Japan. So this takes place into the real-world historical event, uh, the Mongol invasion of Tsushima in 1274. And apparently this is the setting that Sucker Punch kept coming back to. And, and they wanted to tell the story of a samurai warrior, and, and that's where everything just, you know, according to, to, to Sucker Punch, is where the entire vision clicked into place. Uh, and what they were trying to do was transport people to 
feudal era Tsushima, but they, in order to be, you know, culturally sensitive, they did actually end up, like I said before, replacing some of the characters. So all of the characters in the game are fictional characters, but mm -hmm. the events are real and, and, and the story is, is very grounded in reality. Yeah. And that's, that's the best way they could have gone about it because honestly, if they had made like one or two small mistakes, they would have gotten into some PR nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> like think about it. They they had balls making this game and they did a fantastic job. It's like instead of dipping them in acid, they dipped their balls in honey. They did a good <laughs> job. They did a good job. And you know, the biggest historical inaccuracy, so to speak, is just the fact that you write haikus in the game, which is cool, but technically not technically an anachronism. Um, and apparently, in the Japanese version, the haikus were replaced with uh, wakas, which is a, a different type of poetry that's just not as well known. So, um, and not not as well known in, in the in the real world. So, for the for the you know, the rest of the world, it was still haiku. But in the Japanese localization, they changed it to waka so that Japanese people would not feel, would, would not break out of the immersion being more culturally aware of their own history. But, yeah. um, but the haikus are cool. You sit down and you compose a fucking haiku. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dope. It's... The, the grass is green. The sky is clear. I really want to take some acid. <laughs> no, the grass is green. I just isn't isn't it five seven five? Isn't that a haiku? So something the like grass that. is green. I just farted and it smells. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that 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 classic haiku that's like haikus are really hard. I hate them. Something something refrigerator. Oh. Haikus are fun, but sometimes they make no sense. Refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. So haikus are fun. No. Haikus. No, because it's five syllables. It's five. Syllables. Yeah. Haikus can be fun. Haikus can but be fun. But sometimes they make no sense. But sometimes they make no sense. Refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. See, and what I like about this is that this is just part one. We still have. So much crap to talk about, and I'm excited because uh, I'm still working on this game, and so there's still some stuff I haven't seen yet. And I'm just gonna—I'm kind of once we kind of wrap up here, I'm gonna dive back into it. You know, I'm—I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you should. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up here because we're, we're we're hitting at over an hour. But uh, next time we'll get into the more of the story, in particular the end. And and how your choices throughout the game might might reflect what choice you'll make at the end because there is there is actually a choice that you have to make at the end of the game and I'm really interested to hear what you pick because it's a hard choice and why and then I'll okay. tell you I'll tell you what I did <laughs> and why. All right, I'm down for it. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll hit up more of the gameplay. And we'll also be talking about the DLC, the Legends mode, and you know, talking about where this game could go in the future. Or what, yeah, what, we, what and, we could see in a sequel. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the end of the game. Because, honestly, the end, in the end of video games are what make or break them for me. Like Skyward Sword, it was an amazing game. But the final boss, while it's in one of the coolest settings ever, it's really easy, and it made me kind of sad. 
but the story and the way it makes you feel just kind of surpassed that for me. That's why I love it. That's that's not invalid, man. We'll, we'll, we can definitely talk about that. We'll talk about graphics uh, and just how this game plays and feels overall, how it was executed and and how it was received. So stay yeah. tuned for that. Next time we'll be releasing that within, well, I was going to say normally it would be two weeks, but we're kind of awake on this, late on this. So those, that'll probably be the next week after we release yeah. this. And, yeah, Ash um, and I will probably finish up this in a couple days and – Get this rolling out to you guys as soon as possible because uh, those of you who like to listen, we really appreciate you. And we don't really talk about this that much, but uh, or at least we haven't when you and I have been doing this stuff. But the people that actually take the time to listen to these episodes, thank you so much. Like it means the world to us because it's a blast to sit down and talk to a good friend about video games. That's always been something I've wanted to do. But when people listen to it and, you know, give us good feedback and enjoy the content that they hear, that makes it all the more worth it. And so for those of you that have stuck with us and still continue to enjoy the content that we're putting out, we love you. Thank you very much. And we hope that you continue to stay with us throughout this journey because collateral gaming is really just beginning. And we have... An amazing, amazing, I feel like we have an amazing future ahead of us, and I'm so excited to see where it goes. Fuck yeah. Well, we'll see you guys next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or uh, feedback on your platform of choice. Go check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and go check out our Patreon, where we're going to be releasing uh, full-length video game Let's Play commentaries. I'd love to do a, a Let's Play on this game, by the way. Yeah, dude, 100%. Uh, I'm actually probably, yeah, I wanted to tell you this. I uh, can kind of break this out, this little surprise that I've been kind of keeping on the podcast. Um, I'm probably about three months out from having the proper equipment that I need to actually start streaming and for you and I to actually get together and Hell do yeah. our Let's Plays. So we can start rolling those out quick come summertime, and that's really exciting. Hell yeah, dude, I'm ready. And we can we can really just crank those out during the break in between seasons and, and get ready and Dude, be ready for next season because I know that we're still like early into this season, but stay tuned for, for some of the stuff because I'm already thinking about what I want to do next. I'm excited to see what kind of games you're going to bring to the table, and um, we're excited about the rest of the season too. We've got a lot of fun games to talk about, but first, we're going to finish talking about Ghost of Tsushima because we have so much more to tell, so uh, we'll uh, see you on the flip side, guys. Dab it out.
Collateral Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor. <laughs>